All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the final, final podcast hosted by Carter Thompson, as always. Thanks for tuning in and listening. We have an NBA champion, a wrap on the 2021-2022 season, the Golden State Warriors winning the NBA Finals over the Boston Celtics in six games, their fourth title in the last eight seasons. Congratulations to them, Steph Curry and the Warriors. They win their fourth title in the last eight years. We'll talk about that on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. We are two games away from crowning an NHL champion as well. We'll get a quick overview of that series between the Colorado Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We have NFL championship contenders, my five teams in that tier, and that'll wrap up my tiers list of the NFL teams heading into training camp, which I believe is only maybe a week or two away at this point. So we'll wrap up with my NFL championship contending teams on this. But today we start with the four-time champion Golden State Warriors defeating the Boston Celtics in games five and six winning it in six games for their fourth title in eight years. And, I mean, I'll tell you what. I thought that the Boston Celtics were the better team in this series, and it kind of looked that way through the first three games, maybe even the first four games when the the Warriors won game four. Remember with Steph Curry having those 43 points, having to carry the Warriors through that victory to tie it up at 2-2. Two to two. I still thought that the Boston Celtics were the better team, but that the Golden State Warriors just had the best player and Steph Curry, and usually the better team will come out on top if the best player just maybe runs out of gas. He, the best player still needs some help. He can't score 45, 50 every night and still expect to win by 10-plus points. The best player still needs some help, and it didn't look like Steph Curry was getting any of help after Game 4. But, wow, the Warriors sure proved me wrong and a lot of others wrong as well, saying that the team couldn't support Steph Curry in Game 5 really showed that. It was as impressive of a team win that you'll see in the NBA Finals with your superstar struggling big time. You don't see it often where, I mean, Steph Curry had 16 points in Game 5 and had zero made three-pointers. I mean, that game in the NBA Finals, Game 5, a pivotal game to go up 3-2 in the NBA Finals. Steph Curry had zero three-pointers made. That snapped a record streak of his of I believe it was over a hundred plus game maybe it was over 200 plus games of him making a three in a game and he had zero three-pointers made in an NBA finals game 16 points and the Golden State Warriors were still able to beat the Boston Celtics in that game that's as impressive of a team win that you're going to get especially on the biggest stage I mean Andrew Wiggins we talked about him last episode how he was the second best player on the Golden State Warriors, that was solidified for sure in that Game 5 win for the Golden State Warriors. I mean, he had 26 points, 13 rebounds, the exclamation point at the end of the game to put them up for good as well. Andrew Wiggins showed out for the Golden State Warriors. He was their second most consistent player on the court for this entire series, and especially with his defense on Jason Tatum, just making him look pedestrian at times. He wasn't able to consistently get 25 points, maybe even 20 points in some of these games. And if he did, it was a struggle to get to the 20-point threshold for Jason Tatum. And that was thanks to Andrew Wiggins mostly 
from the defensive side, and then he was able to get offensive production consistently in this series. I mean, he had that game four with Steph, when Steph Curry had 43 points. He had 16 points and 17 rebounds, I believe Andrew Wiggins did. Then in game five, when Steph struggled big time, Andrew Wiggins balled out with the 26 points, 13 rebounds. Klay Thompson had a nice 21 points in that game five win as well. He made five three-pointers. And then you had Jordan Poole and Gary Payton combined for 29 points off the bench. That is as good as it gets in terms of a team win in the NBA Finals when Steph Curry was struggling as much as he did, even when coming off of that 43-point game in Game 4. And then in Game 6, the Warriors just to me showed that, hey, we have that championship DNA. We've been here before. We've done this. The Celtics, to me, look a little looked a little rattled after Steph Curry went out and scored 43 points in Game 4 of the NBA Finals, and the, the Warriors didn't look back after that. Steph Curry won the Bill Russell Finals MVP award for the first time in his career, his fourth NBA title, his first time being a Finals MVP, adds himself to a rare list of players. Look at this. He is one of only six players of all time to have four NBA championship rings, multiple regular season MVPs, and now a Finals MVP. The other five are LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Tim Duncan. You can add Steph Curry to that list now as well. Those other five are top 10 players. I think it's time, it's time to start talking about Steph Curry as probably a top 10 player as well. I think this puts him in the top 10 of, all, of players of all time. And it's not just because of, of the four rings and now that he's, I mean, the finals MVP he definitely needed, I think, to get into this top 10. But this is a guy that changed basketball and how it has been played since he really exploded and won his like first MVP and they first started making the conference finals and then the finals. Now teams are, you have to shoot at an X number of threes. We have seen almost, I would say, over 75% of the teams in this league have recently broken their team's all-time three-point field goals made in a game record. Like each team has broken their individual their their team's record in recent years, whether it was a team making twenty five threes in a game or it was making twenty two threes in a game. I would say seventy five percent of the teams have broken their team's past record of threes made in one game, and that's thanks to Steph Curry and his incredible shooting that he's brought. And teams have now had to defend it, and they're like, "Wait a minute! If we have other guys that can shoot like this." We're going to be able to win more games. He changed the NBA like that. Greatest shooter of all time. You add that in now with the rest of his resume in terms of the, f- the four NBA championships, two-time MVP, also a unanimous MVP. I believe he was the first to ever become a unanimous MVP in NBA history. He's a finals MVP now as well on that short list of six players right there. I think you can put him in the top 10 of players all time. You got guys like LeBron, Michael Jordan, Magic, Kareem, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq, Hakeem Olajuwon, probably Bill Russell. And then you got to put probably Steph in that conversation as well of top 10 players of all time. Incredible stuff from the Warriors. I mean, Steph averaged 31 
points per game in this finals as well. I mean, they beat Boston in three straight to close it out. Boston hadn't lost back-to-back games in the playoffs this entire season. They hadn't lost back-to-back games in the entire playoffs, and then here they just lose three straight to the Golden State Warriors in Stephen Curry. And like I said, once Steph scored 43 points against the Boston Celtics in that Game 4 win in Boston, I think Boston got a little rattled. This was a young team. I don't believe it had any finals experience on its team. Al Horford was in his first finals. He's the most seasoned veteran on the Boston Celtics team, and he hadn't even been to a finals. You got young guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They're like 25 or 26 and 24 years old. Young guys, really good stars in the NBA, all-stars for sure, possibly even a superstar in Jason Tatum. But these guys looked rattled after that Game 4 loss to the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors didn't look back after it. Really impressive stuff. I mean, yeah, this to me just puts Steph Curry in the pantheon of greats as a top 10 player. This finals MVP solidifies it. I think he possibly could have won it in 2015 when it was against the Cavaliers. LeBron James was averaging like 40 points a game with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love out. That was the one that they gave to Andre Iguodala for somehow limiting LeBron James in that series, even though he averaged 40, 10, and 10. So that was bizarre. Steph Curry was probably the best player on the winning team. You could have given it to LeBron James, honestly, for that series going six. But now that Steph Curry has that finals MVP, a well-deserved one at that as well, I think he's a top 10 player of all time, considering everything else that goes with Steph Curry being the greatest shooter of all time, has the most three-pointers made in NBA history, changed the game of basketball to a three-point shooting league. This is no longer a bigs-dominated league. Remember, it used to be a bigs-dominated league with Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, big guys like that, Shaquille O'Neal. Now this is a, you need to be able to shoot threes if you're going to survive in this league unless you're a dominant dominant player down in the paint like a Giannis for example but you need to be able to shoot threes at some sort of rate that isn't zero or you have to be the best at something else either the best defender the best rim protector the best perimeter defender I don't know If you can't shoot threes, you better be the best at something else. Otherwise, you're not going to last in this NBA these days. And that's thanks to Steph Curry. One thing that I also think is interesting is how this kind of affects another player's legacy that's not even on the Warriors, and that's Kevin Durant. I mean, should this affect his legacy? I mean, the Warriors won an NBA championship before Kevin Durant decided to join their team. Now they've won a championship since he decided to leave their team as well. They also beat the team that swept his team out of the playoffs this year. So that was <laughs> that was quite interesting as well. But I think it affects it a little bit. Kevin Durant is still a two-time NBA champion with a two-time finals MVP as well, but he joined a loaded team to get these two rings. Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, these guys that have four rings with the Warriors, they didn't join, they didn't leave in free agency to join this team. They built this team themselves worked their way up to that NBA champion status. They got that first ring. They probably needed Kevin Durant, or they needed someone to beat LeBron James, but now that they won without Kevin Durant, 
They won before Kevin Durant. They won after Kevin Durant. It's something that's going to leave a question mark, and it's going to be something that's going to be brought up like it is right now. And you see it today with the national media as well bringing it up in terms of how does this affect. It's just something that's going to be brought up for discussion. And I think that's interesting because Kevin Durant, I mean, he's been to the finals one time other than the ones with Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors. So we'll see if he can get back there without having a kind of team that he, I mean, he joined a team that just won 73 games the season before so it'll be interesting to see how this affects Kevin Durant's legacy going forward after the Golden State Warriors won without him before he got there then they won without him after he left as well it's really interesting to kind of look at that let's talk about the Celtics as well and Jason Tatum I mean he wasn't even the best player on his team in this series that was Jalen Brown this entire series Jalen Brown averaging a little close to 25, 28 points per game, and Jason Tatum was held under 15 points a game at least twice, I think, in Game 6. Game 1, even though they won that game, he was held below 15 points, and I believe he was held under 20 points three times, if you include another one. Maybe it was Game 5. But in the biggest games, he just didn't... You were expecting Jason Tatum to go off for 35, 40 points, or at least 30 points. I don't think he had a 30-point game in this entire series. I mean, to me, for the Celtics going forward next season, there's still a couple of pieces. Maybe they need a true point guard is something that's been brought up. But, I mean, it seems like that they have the foundation set. You have a guy like Jason Tatum, who I think is just on the cusp of that superstar. There's only, to me, maybe five, six superstars in the NBA right now. That's LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, and then Luka Doncic. You can probably throw in the two-time MVP as well, Nikola Jokic. So seven MV, like superstar caliber players. These are the MVPs of the league right now. One of those seven is probably going to be winning it in the next year, maybe the next three years. You know, What does Jason Tatum have to do to take that next step to be in that conversation of those guys? I don't think he's on par with a Luka with a Steph, with a LeBron, with a Giannis. He's not on that level right now. We th- I thought he was. I thought he was close, at least, after some of these playoff series, especially against the Bucks, when they were down 3-2 to the Milwaukee Bucks and able to win that series in seven games. You thought, okay, Jason Tatum might be this guy. Then they won that series against the Miami Heat in seven games as well. But I put Jason Tatum kind of on that par of the Jimmy Butler maybe the Devin Bookers, you know, Jason Tatum is kind of right there as well. Just those guys are on the cusp. Maybe the John Morants as well. Those guys are right on the cusp of the superstars. Those guys are all fighting for the top 10, being one of the top 10 guys. Those first seven guys are are one through seven, not in any order. But what does he have to do to take that next step? I don't know. I thought we thought he was there by making the NBA finals this year. I mean, he doesn't lose any points in this so-called superstar, trying to get into the superstar club by losing the NBA Finals. But how does he get, if he would have won the NBA Finals, obviously now I think he's in the, in the conversation of, is he a top five player? Right now he's in the conversation of, are you a top 10 player? How does he get into that conversation of being a top five player like Steph, Giannis, LeBron, KD, Luka? Joel Embiid, how does he get into that conversation next season? 
Does he have to be the MVP? How does he get back? I mean, and it's just going to be harder next year, I think, to get to the NBA Finals if the Milwaukee Bucks are healthy. I mean, we thought if Chris Middleton was healthy this season that maybe the Boston Celtics wouldn't have even made it to the conference finals. So if the Milwaukee Bucks are healthy, that's a hurdle that they got to get through. It looks like the Miami Heat are looking to make a big move this offseason. What if they bring in a guy like Bradley Beal? They make a big swing there. Or a Zach Levine, Joel Embiid, maybe James Harden kind of gets his stroke back in the 76ers are one of the better teams in the East again. It's only going to get harder. You can't take for granted these opportunities of getting to the NBA Finals. I like to compare it to the to the NFL. I mean, yes, more guys win in the NBA than the NFL, it seems like, but it's not easy to get back. You need luck. It takes luck to get to an NBA championship. So we'll see, hopefully, that the Celtics can get back. Jason Tatum can kind of redeem himself because this was just, to me, in my opinion, a poor finals performance from Jason Tatum. He's only 24, but we said that about – I've said that about guys in the NFL as well. I mean, they said it about Aaron Rodgers after he won his first Super Bowl ring, Patrick Mahomes after he won his first. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is still very young, of course, still a great quarterback, but he won his first, and all of a sudden he was destined to win six. Then the next year, he has a bad offensive line, goes to the Super Bowl, gets absolutely demolished by Tom Brady. Then he has bad luck in the playoffs against the Cincinnati Bengals or throws an interception. Next year, it could be an injury to himself. Now he doesn't have a number one wide receiver. Maybe there's really good competition, which there is in the AFC. One thing after another, all of a sudden, you're eight, ten years down the line and you don't have another Super Bowl. Got to be careful with that for for Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics, automatically assuming that they'll just be back into the finals discussion, conference finals, NBA finals, the next year and the year after that, just because he's a really good player. He could have an injury. Milwaukee Bucks could be back healthy and could be the better team. Maybe a new super team forms in the Eastern Conference. We'll have to see, but uh, he's very close to that top five players in the NBA right now discussion right now he's in the he's in the top 10 discussion of guys just trying to squeeze into the top 10 with the Devin Booker the John Morant maybe the Anthony Edwards the Jimmy Butler he's in that conversation right now he needs to take that next step to where he's in the conversation of top five top three players in the NBA but congratulations in order for the Golden State Warriors Steph Curry winning their fourth title in eight years a true dynasty no question about it for the golden state warriors and steph curry well done incredible especially after seeing where they were just what was it two or three seasons ago i think it was two seasons ago they were picking second overall in the nba draft here they are two years later last year they missed out on the nba playoffs in that play-in game no clay thompson Clay Thompson comes back around December this year, and boom, they are NBA champions. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. I'm sure we'll talk more NBA as the offseason rolls along, as we get into the summer months and football starts to heat up. We'll still be talking NBA. There are some possible big-name trades that are going to be on the move. Kyrie Irving, for one, is in the discussion already, as him and the Brooklyn Nets haven't come to any contracts, agreements whether he wants a long-term deal there in Brooklyn. So we'll see maybe Kyrie Irving's on the move, maybe Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. But we will be talking about 
the NBA for sure. As the summer rolls along, as football season heats up, there will be plenty to discuss. I'm sure we'll even be talking about Steph Curry versus LeBron James in the coming months as well, because I'm sure that will be a hot topic. After the Warriors now have the same amount of rings as LeBron James, four in eight years, very impressive. But we'll see how those discussions go at a later time. All right, speaking of the NFL heating up, we are on to our championship contenders of our tiers ranking. If you remember from the last three episodes, there are four tiers that I have, non-playoff contenders, fringe playoff contenders, strong playoff contenders, and now we are at the championship contenders level of this. Here are the five teams I have in my championship contenders tier. These are in no order. That's the nice thing about having a tier ranking is I don't have to put them in order for you. Five teams that I think will be in the running or at least should be the Super Bowl favorites, I guess you could say, this year. Some of the criteria that I looked at that I think need to be in place for the teams to be here, got to have a top five to eight quarterback in this league. And you'll see the five teams that I put. You could probably put them one, two, three, four, five if you wanted to in any way you want. Maybe one quarterback you rank seventh or something like that. A top five to eight quarterback in the league, a really well-rounded roster. You'll see all five of these teams have really good rosters, good defense. Just other, It's just not just a great quarterback on the team. They have other pieces that can just help this team win. Really good coaching staff. All that goes into having a great team. So here's the five teams. I'm sure if you did the... Uh, process of elimination from the other episodes you've got the five teams it's the los angeles rams they're the defending champs they're bringing everybody back in terms of matt stafford cooper cup aaron donald all re-signed jalen ramsey is re-signed bringing in Allen robinson as well getting some running backs healthy and cam Akers still bringing their super bowl winning head coach sean mcveigh back as well so the los angeles rams definitely in this category the buffalo bills one of the best rosters in football possibly the best defense in football. They do lose their offensive coordinator, Brian Dayball, to the Giants. I think they'll be able to replace him. This is just a really well-run organization right now, and they have a top three quarterback, a top five quarterback, excuse me, in my mind, in Josh Allen. Stephon Diggs, a top 10, top five wide receiver as well. Really well-rounded team, really good coaching staff in Sean McDermott, so the Buffalo Bills. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, never going to count out Tom Brady, especially when he's got the team, and he's got the pieces around him. Tom Brady coming off, and he's got a really weak division as well. If you're if you're easily favored in your division, like Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you probably have a good chance of getting to the playoffs, and then you we'll see what you can do there. But Tom Brady, you can't count him out in any sense of, of the matter. They have a new head coach now in Todd Bowles. I think this defense is still really good. Tom Brady is miraculously still really good. Top three quarterback in the league, so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Green Bay Packers still have the two-time reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I think they're going to have a top five defense this year in the NFL. And the, the Packers have been good without Devontae Adams. This team is not, oh, they're going to fall apart now without Devontae Adams. That's not how well-run teams with Hall of Fame quarterbacks go. If the Hall of Fame quarterbacks leave, then, yes, the team falls apart. The New England Patriots fell apart for a year. They made the playoffs last year, but they're not in the championship contending team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with one year of Tom Brady, 
are Super Bowl champions. That's what happens when you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. He makes the rest of the team better. So the Green Bay Packers are still a championship contending team, a really good coaching staff with Matt LaFleur. They got probably maybe one of the, maybe the best coaching staff in terms of look at your special teams now with Rich Basaccia coming in. They have a really good defensive coordinator in Joe Barry with a really talented defense now in its second year, third year with Joe Barry at the helm. We'll see how they'll be flying around. That's going to be exciting to watch. So the Green Bay Packers are definitely a championship contending team. And then the last one is the Kansas City Chiefs. Same thing. Lose a top-tier wide receiver, doesn't matter. In my opinion, they have a top-three quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. He'll be able to spread it around to Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Nicole Hardman. They have probably the best tight end in football, in tra- at least the best receiving tight end in football, in Travis Kelsey. Still got a good running back duo of Ronald Jones, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a decent defense as well, one that is likely to be a little bit better than last year, a good offensive line, and you have Hall of Fame quarterback, probably in Patrick Mahomes, and you definitely have a Hall of Fame coach in Andy Reid, still have that really great offensive coordinator in Eric Bieniemy. so the Kansas City Chiefs are still a championship contending team. Now these teams, I fully, ex- I don't necessarily expect them to win their divisions, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be in a dogfight for their division all year with the Los Angeles Chargers, probably the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Denver Broncos. So maybe they are a wild card team, but they're still, then they'll probably be one of the best wild card teams in football, no question about it. Los Angeles Rams are going to have their hands tied with San Francisco 49ers. Buffalo Bills look like they have an easy route to their division championship. Same with the Buccaneers and the Packers. Packers might have a little bit of a fight from the Vikings, but they have a new head coach, and I trust Aaron Rodgers more than I trust Kirk Cousins. So these are my five championship contending teams. These right now are the teams that I have favorited for the Super Bowl before the season begins. Now, of course, injuries could derail one of these teams if the Los Angeles Rams lose an Aaron Donald or a Cooper Cup or a Matthew Stafford. If any one of these teams loses their quarterbacks, obviously they drop out of the championship contenders tier, I believe. I don't believe anyone has a good enough backup quarterback to lead them to a Super Bowl like the Philadelphia Eagles did back in 20, what was that, 17? I don't think any of these teams have that good of a backup quarterback that could lead them to a Super Bowl. So if any one of them loses a quarterback, they're out of this tier. But if, if, they, if a big injury happens, like an Aaron Donald, for the Los Angeles Rams or Travis Kelsey for the Kansas City Chiefs, then those teams would be in trouble. But these are my Super Bowl championship contending teams preseason right now. And like I said last episode, there's a couple teams that could midseason jump into this one, and these teams could fall out, no question. But preseason right now, these are my top five teams. A team like the Chargers or especially the Cincinnati Bengals, if they continue to show me, I, like I said, they're not going to sneak up. They, didn't, they weren't sneaking up on anyone last year, especially in the playoffs, but they got hot at the right time. But the Cincinnati Bengals could join this championship contenders tier after making it to the Super Bowl last season. For some reason, I just still don't trust their coaching staff in Zach Taylor. He's a very young coach. I know a lot of the, I know Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur are young coaches as well. But Zach Taylor just was unproven and now he's got a healthy Joe Burrow. Hopefully Joe Burrow stays healthy, but I think the Bengals could jump into this one. Justin Herbert 
and the Chargers could jump into this tier as well. But I'd like to like, – they've shown it in the regular season how great they, the stats that they can put up and some of the wow throws or some of the wow wins or whatever, but they haven't even made the playoffs yet. So I'd like to see them make the playoffs before they make it into this tier. And same with the Baltimore Ravens. They had a lot of injuries. Now they just got to prove that they can get back to the team that was in the AFC Divisional game two years ago, that they can now contend for that AFC championship game as well before I put them in this tier. So a couple of teams from that strong playoff contenders list that have a chance to move up, but right now they're just missing a few things before getting into this tier. These five teams, really well-rounded teams, have a top five, six quarterback, Matthew Stafford. I don't know where you rank him. I have him probably ranked as like my sixth or seventh ranked quarterback. But between Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes, those are my one, two, three, and four ranked quarterbacks in the NFL. When you have one of the top three or four quarterbacks, top five quarterbacks in the NFL, you have a pretty good shot at making it into the playoffs, a pretty good shot at the Lombardi Trophy as well. So that completes my NFL tiers ranking with those five teams in the championship contenders. This can all change once the season starts and if there's big-time injuries, but at least for the first four to five weeks, these are going to be my top five teams in the NFL. Once we hit week five, week six, we start to see couple games, see how some of these teams, maybe if they have tough schedules, maybe if they have cupcake walks of a schedule to start the season, then maybe the rankings will change a little bit. But these will be my top five teams for the first four to six weeks of the NFL season. All right, moving on then, quickly for the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, we have the Avalanche versus the Lightning. Game three, I believe, is tonight. What's today? June 20th. I believe they play game three tonight. The Avalanche have stormed out to a crazy 2-0 lead in this series, winning game one 4-3 in overtime. Incredible shot to win that game one at home. Then they just absolutely stomped the Lightning in game two with a 7-0 win. Absolutely incredible. They had three goals in the first period. Didn't look back. It was over after the first period. I mean, the Avalanche are also just crazy fast out on the ice. You watch these Avalanche skate, it looks like they're skating right by the Tampa Bay Lightning players at sometimes. It's incredible how fast a lot of these guys are on the ice. I mean, the Lightning, they need to start faster. I mean, they gave, like I just mentioned, they gave up three goals in the first period of game two. They gave up two goals in the first period of game one. They need to limit the Avalanche from scoring over two goals in the first period. I mean, the Avalanche just come out with so much confidence then after that first period, scoring two or three goals. They need to be able to slow them down early in these games to give themselves so they're not digging themselves out of a hole like they were in game one, and they just it looked like it was over after the first period. It was over after the first period in game two for the Lightning. But let's not forget, the Lightning were just down 0-2 to the New York Rangers in the conference finals. Just this last series, they were down 0-2, came back, rattled off four straight. So the back-to-back champs, Tampa Bay Lightning, aren't going away easy. Game three is tonight. This is, to me, an obvious must-win. We have seen teams in the NHL playoffs come back from down 0-3. It's rare, but it's happened. But I think this is going to be a must-win for them if they want to survive this series instead of going down 0-3. It's possible to come back from 0-3 in hockey, where basketball, it's 
been proven as of now to be impossible to come back from an 03 deficit deficit, excuse me. But I think this is obviously a must win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll see how they respond. They've they've they're the back-to-back champs. They know what kind of pressure they're under right now. They're not going to fold under this pressure of a must-win game, but it'll be really interesting to see if they can try to slow down the Avalanche, especially from their incredibly fast starts they've been getting off to in this first period. I think the first period will show us a lot from this Game 3 that I believe is tonight. But incredibly fun to watch. This Avalanche team is just flying all over the ice. Love to see it. All right, what do we got? Oh, final thought then today on this episode of the final, final podcast. The NBA draft is this coming Thursday. Could be a day we see some big names traded, but some big-time prospects will be joining the teams this coming Thursday. I mean, we might see some teams move up and down the board for some certain prospects, but the the three main guys, there's a a big three in this draft that's going to go one, two, and three. We're just not sure the order yet. The three are Chet Holmgren, He's a center out of Gonzaga. To me, he reminds me a lot of Kristaps Porzingis, kind of, but he's potentially going to be much better. He's long. He's 7'1", got these incredibly long arms. I think he's got almost an 8-foot wingspan. He's, he's got great defense. I mean, this kid is around the rim, is just blocking shots left and right. He's really skinny, though, which is a problem. We'll, hopefully he can hold up, doesn't get injured. Maybe he can put on some weight when he gets into the NBA, but this kid is 7'1", and it seems really thin to me, but his defense, his timing at the rim blocking these shots is incredible, kind of like Kristaps Porzingis. He's a great perimeter shooter as well, similar to Porzingis in terms of he can be a stretch center, knocking down threes from, I don't know, 30 feet away as well if it's needed. But Holmgren also has better handles at seven foot one than Kristaps Porzingis does. This guy can pump fake. He won't need to. I don't think anyone's going to be blocking his shot from three, but he can get to the rim as well from the outside. So Holmgren, to me, reminds me of Porzingis, but a little bit better. Has that potential as well with the dribbles and the handles that he has. Hopefully he can put on a little weight so that he just doesn't get just just get beaten up down in the paint. He seems really thin and skinny to me. But Chet Holmgren is a guy that has the potential to go number one overall out of Gonzaga. Jabari Smith out of Auburn. He's been compared to, to Kevin Durant a little bit at six foot ten. And just an absolutely fantastic shooter, especially from three. 42% from three last season at Auburn is fantastic for sure. This kid is very talented as well. He can do more than just shoot threes, but he is probably the best shooter in this draft. And at 6'10", that's very rare. I mean, Kevin Durant can do it all. Mid-range, three-pointers, get to the rim. Also pretty good at defense as well, Kevin Durant. But Jabari Smith has been compared to Kevin Durant in that sense with the size and the shooting capability that this kid has. So Jabari Smith out of Auburn is another one that could go potentially first overall. And then lastly, it's between one of these three, it's Paolo Panchero. I think I butchered that a little bit. Paolo Panchero. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Might be a little bit off on his last name there. But out of Duke, probably heard his name when Duke was making their run in the Final Four this year. Six foot ten, he's an aggressive scorer, and he can really just carry the offensive load. We saw this when Duke needed a bucket against UNC. They went to this guy, Banchero. He can shoot from the outside, and he's big enough, he's strong enough as well to work inside and get to the hoop. He's also skilled enough to work outside and in, get himself in. He can pass off the dribble as well. He's a really well-rounded player. So Banchero 
is another guy out of Duke that could potentially go number one overall. The top three picks this year, Orlando Magic, Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets. Those three, these guys will end up on one of those three teams unless a team moves up into the top three. But those are the three names you're probably going to hear first come off the board this coming Thursday. To me, Chet Holmgren, I think, is, is would be the best bet at going number one overall. Seeing what he did at Gonzaga as well as a freshman. I think all these guys are freshmen coming out of college. It's going to be a lot of fun watching these guys come in. I mean, Chet Holmgren's also got a little bit of an attitude to him. I believe I recently just saw in an interview that he did, he asked who he thinks the best player in the NBA is, and he goes, me, next season. Some teams might be turned off by that. Some teams might like that kind of confidence to me. I think you got to have that kind of confidence in the NBA to be a really good player in thinking that you are the best player in the NBA. So we'll see how this all plays out this coming Thursday. And then, all right, final, final thought then on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. The MLB, we are three months into this thing now. We have, I said I'd give you an update now on this next episode. We'll get you a quick one here. Hopefully, just kind of wrap this episode up as well. The two New York teams right now in baseball are absolutely dominating in the MLB. The Yankees have an absurd record of 46 and 16. Every other team has at least 23 losses. The Yankees haven't even come close to 20 losses yet at this point. A 46 and 16 record. Most of that thanks to Aaron Judge. I mean, the entire team is just mashing home runs right now, but Aaron Judge, probably the AL MVP favorite at this point. He's already hit 25 homers this season. Only Mike Trout has more than 20 as well, and he's at 21. And Mike Trout is possibly going to go down as the best player of all time. But Aaron Judge right now is just on a heater to start this season with 25 homers. I believe he's on pace for, was it 64, I believe I saw, which is incredible. I can't even remember the last time we had 60 home runs hit in a season. I know Barry Bonds' record of 73 was back in like 2072, was in like 2003 or 2004 maybe. But either way. Aaron Judge absolutely dominating for the Yankees right now, 46-16. and 16. The Atlanta Braves just went the first two and a half weeks of June without losing a game. They had won 14 straight before they lost to the Cubs earlier, or just late last week, maybe Friday I think it was. Got themselves right back into the playoff race as the defending champs. So they are right there with the New York Mets who lead the NL East. Here's your division leaders so far. The AL East, that's the Yankees, obviously, like I just said, best record in baseball of 46-16. and 16. On the NL East side, you got the New York Mets leading that one. They also have the best record in the National League. AL Central, you got the Minnesota Twins. In the NL Central right now, we have a tie between the Brewers and the Cardinals. The Brewers, I believe, a week and a half ago were just probably had the worst record, or not the worst record, just on the worst losing streak in baseball. They had lost eight in a row. I believe their past eight games, or ten games, they have gone five. I believe in their last eight games they have gone, no, I'm sorry, their last ten games they have gone seven and three, so they're starting to pick it up a little bit after that seven, eight-game losing streak that they just had. But they are currently tied with the Cardinals for the NL Central lead. Remember, it's very early right now. And then in the AL West, you got the Houston Astros leading that division by a lot. And then in the National League West, Los Angeles Dodgers only lead that division by a half game over the San Diego Padres. And I believe only 
like two games over the San Francisco Giants. So that is an incredibly close division. Dodgers also getting some bad news with maybe the National League MVP favorite right now being Mookie Betts. He just had a cracked rib, so he's going to be out for a couple games as well. So the Dodgers are going to have to deal with that injury as they hold on to a tight division lead out in the National League West. Here's your wild card teams as well. A lot can still happen. Toronto Blue Jays, Cleveland Guardians, and the Tampa Bay Rays are your AL wildcard teams. And then in the NL, you got the San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants, and the Atlanta Braves as your National League wildcard teams. Two other teams, I think, to watch that I think will sneak into this wildcard races. Los Angeles Angels, they have possibly the two best players in baseball in Mike Trout and Shohei Otani still doing absolutely incredible things this season. So watch for them. They had a really they had they had lost uh, 13 games in a row at one point. They fired their manager in Joe Madden. They've turned it around since he's been fired. The team is kind of back on track, but they have lost a lot of ground in terms of the AL West leading Houston Astros. So now they have to contend and try to get back into the AL wild card race, go on a little bit of a winning streak after a 12 or 13 game losing streak. Just horrific. But hopefully they can get back into one of those races because I believe they have two of the top three or four players in baseball on this team. So they need to be in the playoffs. And then the Boston Red Sox, they are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. A lot of team effort. Trevor Story, uh, Rafael Devers, they're just getting good pitching from, from a lot of their guys, not just one guy dominating. So the Boston Red Sox are a hot team as well. They are right on the cusp of the AL wild card also. All right. Hopefully that gets you caught up for baseball right there. A little bit of an update as it's a long season. No need to talk about baseball every time we have a podcast episode because things change and there's just a lot of time for teams to make it up once we get to August is when things really start to heat up in these races. But all right. That is all I have for you on this episode of the final, final podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Next episode will be in a week. I'll be gone this upcoming week, so we'll do next week, Monday or Tuesday, for the next podcast episode. Thanks for tuning in. As always, stay safe out there, and you are listening to The Final Final.